Hello, everyone. I'm here for one of my stories. This is Lindsay Dunn. And today I'm talking to James Ward, Ward Burkett, the director of the dearly beloved indie film Coherence, released in 2013. But more importantly, the director and writer of the anthology series Shatterbelt, which was released at South by Southwest. Welcome to one of my stories. It's an absolute honor to speak to you today. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I'm sure you hear all the time how much people love Coherence. I um, love Coherence also and admire that film. And I know it's been such an inspiration to many filmmakers to see what you accomplished. And since it was such a hit, people might assume that, oh, now it's going to be easy sailing for you from here on out to get your next project going. But it's been 10 years so what have been some of the challenges that you faced getting Shatterbelt ready for your many fans? Oh my gosh. Well, it, it is a, <laughs> it's quite a story of how you can have a movie go around the world and, and kind of become this influential entity for filmmakers and still struggle just as much as any new filmmaker trying to get your next project. So that's a heartbreaking story that we're going to have to, uh, hold off on because I, I don't want to uh, make people cry too much on this interview. Um, but Shatterbelt basically came about because I, I was just dying to make something else and and it had taken so long and, and so many heartbreaking uh, false starts. And I realized I was just going to have to pick up a camera and start shooting something like I did with Coherence. Like the last mm -hmm. time I made something that that got off the ground was when I just started making something in my living room. And I figured I'm going to have to do that again. And, and friends and family started showing up and, and helping me. And, and that's really uh, the genesis of it. It felt like stone soup. I keep saying, like, if you just say you're going to make it, even mm -hmm. if you don't have the the ingredients you need um people show up with carrots and potatoes and uh Pat Oswald was like I've got a big chicken we can put in the pot and <laughs> it just kind of it just kind of starts happening it's just all done out of sheer willpower and love of filmmaking yeah I'm sorry I hope that question didn't put you on the spot I just um it's okay it, it makes it makes me you know I guess I just asked that question because I you know I've read some of your other interviews and you mentioned that it was challenging. And I think that people need to understand how challenging it is when they're asking questions or saying like, well, when's your next thing coming out? You know, it's not easy. I've heard one of the inspirations for Shatterbell is the Twilight Zone. So what are some of your favorite episodes of the Twilight Zone? Oh my gosh. Um, there's one called Walking Distance that is so beautiful about a man that revisits his uh, hometown and sees his younger self. And it's such a beautiful example of Rod Serling's uh, love of, of several things, of nostalgia, of uh, alternate realities, paths that our lives could could diverge into. And I just think it's so beautifully uh, executed to the, the actual filmmaking and the shots and the acting and the production design is just perfect. And Rod Serling had very little money to work with. They, people don't talk about that a lot of, of how small his budgets are, but that's why there's so many of the Twilight Zones where it's like one guy in a city alone. 
mm-hmm. you know, because that's all he had. He had an empty lot and he had enough money for some actors and and very little else. And so that was really the inspiration of saying, all right, if if the, he was able to do that, if he was able to churn out these great stories week after week, that seems like a really interesting challenge uh, for myself, and especially because I wake up every day with a new story idea. So instead of taking years to try to get a movie off the ground, what if I just start, sort of start making short versions of these things? Mm-hmm. And uh, very, very satisfying to to approach it like that. I'm curious about the themes you really wanted to explore with the Chatterbelt. A lot of your publicity that I've shared that you've shared has mentioned the word consciousness. So maybe we could start there. But uh, what does that word mean to you? And beside, you know, let's talk about consciousness and then maybe other themes you wanted to explore with Shatterbelt. Yeah, well, it's such a big topic because we're in it. We are conscious. And so we don't even realize what a weird thing that is. It's like a goldfish talking to another goldfish, you know, like, what's this water thing they're talking about? I'd love to see that sometime. Um, we are somehow conscious beings, but we're in a physical reality and nobody can explain that (laughs) fundamental mystery of how physical molecules are coming up with abstract thoughts and then making decisions and having dreams and having intention and then translating those abstract thoughts into physical reality again. Uh, that's such an incredible idea. And it's everything. It's every story, every written, but it's the unspoken story. It's the part that we ignore. It's like if you uh, had some kind of magical ability, but you never reference it, you never notice it. Uh, so I just thought, what if we dive headlong in, into a series that that tackles that uh, in every single episode? The South by Southwest library included episodes two through four. That made me so curious about episode one and why (laughs) it wasn't included. Is it the best one, your favorite one? What is up with episode one? (laughs) It's only because of timing. Uh, Southwest uh, only had 90 minutes because they're they're so jam-packed with scheduling in their theaters. So we only had 90 minutes and they actually chose episode two, three, and four. It was not my decision. I love episode one. I have a feeling it's because it's the smallest, to be honest. It's just three people having a very intimate, uh, very philosophical debate that has some crazy moments, but it's it's much more contained. It was the first one I wrote. And so originally I thought these were going to be just small stories that I could shoot in my living room. And it they start expanding rapidly mm-hmm. after that. So it still has the the sort of small feeling of the original intention. I have a feeling that's why it was not programmed, but I love it. And it stars Emily Baldoni and Hugo Armstrong, the stars of Coherence. And that is the episode <clears throat> then that was filmed in your living room, I guess, that you you talk about one of them is filmed in your living room or started to be filmed in your living room. I originally shot the whole episode in my house. Uh, and then I watched it and I said, this is not big enough. <laughs> this is not impressive enough. So we reshot the whole thing once we got access to somebody's much, much bigger house. Mm-hmm. What I got out of this series is about reality. You mentioned reality when you were talking about consciousness and how quickly quick our mind is to form rules 
in situations, how quickly we're ready to hypothesize and come to conclusions. Both the characters are doing this and we are doing this as we're watching it because we're trying to make sense of the world that you throw us into, which is brilliant. And I don't know if that tendency to hypothesize is a good thing or bad thing, but it's certainly a very human thing. We try to make sense of the world around us. Do you agree with that? Is this is that series what I said? Does that resonate with you at all? Or, um, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts about that track, how that For plays sure. out in your work. For sure. That's exactly it, that we are pattern-seeking computers. We're looking for patterns everywhere. We're trying to make connections. So that's why we think we see faces in a cloud or or a rabbit in a cloud or a face of Jesus in a tortilla. We're looking for a pattern that we recognize, and then we want that to have meaning. That's how we get meaning, is by making connections. And so we spend our whole lives looking for meaning which really means looking for connections. And that is consciousness at work. Physical things don't care about that. A rock doesn't care how it breaks when it falls off a cliff. A cloud doesn't care how it dissipates, but human beings do. That's what separates us from, one of the many things that separates us from the physical phenomenon is that we have these desires and intentions and pattern seeking tendencies. And what you're talking about exactly is what uh, episode two is about. And, and really, I guess what all of them are about is our constant drive to make sense of these things that don't make any sense because, you know, we're plopped on this earth without, without an instruction manual. Um, if we were all to wake up one day and realize that we we're on a giant space station, obviously everybody would be intent all day long of figuring out how did we get here what who what is this space station but we are we we wake up and we're on earth but because it happens so slowly through childhood we get used to it we get used to the rules like oh i guess things you know just fall i guess an apple just is hanging on a tree and then it magically travels from the tree to the ground well, because we're so used to seeing that, we don't even question it. And it takes somebody, you know, a scientist to actually go, that's pretty weird. Mm -hmm. Why Why did that apple just magically move from the tree to the ground? What is, what's going on there? This is, this is bizarre. And then you realize everything in life is that weird. Everything mm -hmm. in life is an uncracked mystery that we take for granted. You encourage your actors to use what you call a naturalistic acting style. Do you find most actors can adapt to this easily? Or if they have, what is usually the tricky part about that that you have to maybe coach them with? If you, if you know. That's a great question. And it is tricky for some people to transfer because we're in a very stylized period of acting right now. We're in a very stylized period. Again, we don't notice it because we're in it. But the acting style today is just as stylized as, you know, big Hollywood musicals in the 40s and 50s. It's it's not the way people actually talk. It's not the way people have conversations. So I'm always trying to just tilt it a little more towards naturalistic dialogue. And the best thing is when you have an actor who gets it quickly, 
because then the other actors adjust to that and they go, oh, that's how you do it. So on episode four, I had uh, Abigail Spencer, who is fantastic at doing that. And she knew what I was looking for. And so within minutes of her doing that, the other actors saw how successful that was. And so they all adjusted to match her energy. So it really helps if you have somebody uh, who knows how to do it. So it almost sounds like it's hard to verbalize what that is. You have to kind of see it exemplified in front of you to get it. Yeah, because actors don't know they have permission to do that because they've been trained for the last many years of their lives to stick to the words on the page uh, because the the writing is king and, and the, you're not supposed to stray from the words and they don't realize that they have permission to adjust it a little bit or overlap a little bit or add their own reality of the moment once they realize they have permission, but they're also going to be guided then it gets really fun. And that's where the magic starts to happen. Coherence was really well known for its improv script. So how much direction did you give the actors in Shatterbelt? Shatterbelt was definitely uh, a lot more scripted. They had scripted lines. They had the whole thing that they could read. So I just had to sort of guide them on energy level, how naturalistic to make it, how much they could add their own lines. It, it, it was really just directing to take it down, 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 down from regular TV into conversational reality. And that's a pretty big jump, but uh, but they all did it. Without giving away any spoilers, can you give us a clue about maybe one of your favorite improv moments that happened because of the way you direct your actors so we can look for it? One of my favorite moments was Patton Oswalt having this monologue talking on a phone in the junkyard. And he had the monologue memorized and yet he deviated here and there, putting his own take on it repeating a couple lines to give them emphasis, which was absolutely beautiful. And then having this sort of final moment where he just kept going and going even after the phone call was finished. And normally in, uh, the director would yell cut, you know, as soon as it's done. But I was just watching a couple of feet away going, wow, how, how far is he gonna, how far is he going to go with this? And we just kept rolling and rolling and we ended up using it all in the edit. What will happen now? Do you have a distributor? Are you trying to get it on a streaming service? Or how will general audiences get to see this in the future? Because I need more of the series. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we've got a ton more planned. We're shooting, we're trying to shoot our next one, episode five, as soon as possible. And then we've got the rest of this season written and, and uh, trying to raise money to do it. But we don't know. The, the original idea was we're just going to self-distribute it because there's no point in you know, chasing uh, streamers for years, trying to convince them to do it. So we thought, well, we'll just shoot it and put it out there. But right now, if some smart executive realizes that this is uh, has a potential for a huge worldwide audience and can go for decades then we want to give a, just a little bit of a chance 
to see if that executive exists. It's almost like a, a game show of America's next smart executive. Like this is a chance for someone to be a hero and bring a show to the world that hundreds of millions of people want to see. So how can people support you now? Oh, did you, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, if that doesn't happen, don't worry, because we'll just put it out. Okay. <laughs> we'll go back to plan A. Um, how can people support you if they want to make sure it gets launched? I know you have the Kickstarter page. It still seems to be active. Can people still contribute on there? Are you looking for supporters? How can people support you and help to get Chatterbelt brought to the masses? The Kickstarter is campaign is done. So that's uh, that's in the past. I think right now it's really just talking about it and sharing it. If you've seen it, telling your friends, getting some buzz around. If you happen to know a few millionaires who want to invest in it, please have them uh, reach out. But really, it's just awareness because we don't have a, a a campaign, obviously. We don't we don't have any way to tell anybody about this. So it's really just the fans making a little bit of a noise uh, to encourage someone to help us. Well, <laughs> it's all you, Lindsay. <laughs> well, I'm uh, you know, I'm gonna be putting this interview out, and of course, people will see that. And I am happy to be part of spreading the word. Of Thank course. you. Thank you so much. That is all the questions I had for you today. Is there anything you wanted to add that I didn't ask you? <laughs> well, just that we really do have dozens and maybe even hundreds of story ideas. And all we need is a route to production. Nobody's looking for anything beyond just what would normally be on a on a streaming service you know it's it's a uh, half hour episodes it's not really even an anthology because they start interconnecting you're, you're going to see some of the same characters reappear Patton and I are talking about another episode we're going to do together you're going to notice that the same actors are appearing almost like dream logic like oh that person was this are they the same character so there's so much planned uh, and it's really going to be wonderful when it when it finally gets off the ground. You guys heard it all here on one of my stories. Uh, what what James Burkett had to say about Shatterbelt, and I hope you will. If you haven't watched Coherence, definitely do that. Look for subscribe to the. There's like there's a Shatterbelt Twitter account. Is that correct? Yeah, we have a Twitter account. We have an Instagram. You can go to the shatterbelt.com website for updates. You can see a little trailer. Mm -hmm. um, just any kind of support online is helpful. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And I'm going to sign off then. <laughs> it's Lindsay from one of my stories. Thanks, Lindsay. Bye. Bye.